0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Um, If you're listening on the Lions of Liberty Network feed, or if you're listening on the Finding Freedom podcast feed, either way, happy to have you. Glad you're tuning in. I do want to let you know up front that this podcast, Finding Freedom, you know, obviously I changed the name over a year ago from Felony Friday, but I am the show is still evolving, still changing, and today's episode is going to be about ways to find your freedom through getting healthier, through dietary changes, through exercise, through through things like that. And I'm going to be taking a little bit of a trip um, down this road here. As we're going to be talking about health, um, in the next few podcasts, we'll be digging in, talking about you know supplements and things like that. I'm going to be having an awesome guest on to talk about some ways to use Bitcoin uh, to buy local beef, really exciting stuff. So you know, just a little trip down this road. Like I've said many times, the reason why I changed from Felony Friday to Finding Freedom was to give myself the flexibility uh, to do these types of shows, to, to really explore different areas um, that I think people need to explore, to find their personal freedom, to become the best version of themselves. Uh, you know, that goes outside of politics, that goes outside of uh, philosophy. It comes down into, into real life, into the, the world we're living in and you're experiencing in this moment. How do we create a life around us that is the best life possible? And it's hard to do that if you're not healthy. So we're focusing on that today with my guest, Kyle Matovic. I'm excited uh, for you guys to hear from Kyle, and we'll get to that in a minute. But before we do, I just want to remind you, please, um, if you're enjoying this content, if you like what we do here at Lions of Liberty, we really appreciate that. We appreciate you listening, and we would appreciate it even more. i be so grateful um, if you would consider checking out our Patreon or our locals and, and joining there. Um, if you did, um, you would have had a chance to watch this interview live, as most of my interviews are broadcast live in our Facebook group or uh, on locals through a private YouTube link, so so you can check them out that way. And there's tons of other stuff, tons of other giveaways that we have in our pride. Um, we give away more than I think any other uh, podcast out there, at least that I am aware of. So please check it out. Go to patreon.com slash liberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com. Hope you enjoy today's show. All right. I am live with Kyle Matovic here on uh, Finding Freedom. Welcome to the show, Cal. Good to to have you on the show for the first time.
1: Of course, man. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. I'm really looking forward to the conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. We we met in person at the Pennsylvania Libertarian Convention, which was cool. Uh, Did some... Some shots. I think you bought me a shot of crown. That, that, was, that was nice of you. Appreciate that.
1: Yeah, that's that's about the standard for just about everybody I meet in person. Um, <laughs> I, I found out if you ask people in group chats, if there was anyone you didn't buy a shot for, you'll definitely find out real quick if there was somebody you didn't buy a shot for. And th- There were a lot of people I didn't buy shots for, but there were a lot of people I bought shots for. But There's I didn't buy lot. 12 shots just you know, just putting that out there.
0: There's a lot of people there. I mean, you can't buy everybody <laughs> a shot. But. Yeah. Kyle is he's the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, and um, I was on I was on your show. I don't know, it was several months ago, but I think I told you either when I met you in person or maybe it was when I was on your show that I love what you're doing because you're not just talking to other libertarians, other you know liberty leaning people. You're talking to people in the health space, but I mean you're also bringing you know your, your perspective on life, which is you know liberty leaning, and I think we need a lot more of that in this conversation. We need to be talking, um, not just to each other, not just talking philosophy, not just talking politics, but talking about life, talking about exercise, talking about lifting weights, talking about diet—the things we're passionate about. And uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I changed the format of my show. And I really haven't got fully to it yet, but within really with this show and then the next several shows I'm really going to launch more into you know looking at the the health side of of finding freedom and uh and how important that is so before we get started talking about that though, I do want to get your liberty background and your your origin story, if you will, uh, since you haven't been in any of the the lions shows yet so what what's your story what was your You know, your your light bulb moments or maybe moments that sort of, you know,
1: set you down this road. So my brother was a raging leftist when we were growing up and my brother's about a year and a half old of me. I think you might have met him at the uh, convention, but uh, I always remember him referring to himself as a liberal back when we were like 13 to like till he was probably about 20 ish, maybe. And uh, then the one day he said, all right, no, I'm not a liberal. I'm a libertarian. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, get the hell out of here until you know what the heck you are. And that kind of stuck with me a little bit. So um, he used to show me amazing atheist videos all the time. And I'm like, i like cannot stand this guy and he showed me the young Turks. I couldn't stand them either. So I'm like, okay, well then I got to be whatever is the opposite of them. Right. So I kind of leaned into more like conservatism, but I started watching people like Stefan Molyneux, um, Austin Peterson, Eric July, Larry Sharp. And uh, just over time, I'm like, you know, the arguments they are presenting the information they're presenting is very, very convincing. And then a few years later, um, I end up voting for Gary Johnson and I voted for Joe Jorgensen as well, but through Joe Jorgensen and you know um kind of onto that Spike Cohen um I found out about Dave Smith and then Scott mm-hmm. Horton Tom Woods and that's what kind of drove the rest of the nails home as far as libertarianism is concerned because i used to think that a lot of the foreign policy stuff was you know just kind of took it for granted because i grew up as a mechanic so all the guys around me were obviously very right leaning pro-military people so i thought okay well yeah they hate us for our freedoms whatever we should be over there killing all those people because you know we got to make the world safe for democracy and then Mm -hmm. you know surely enough i found out all that was wrong so yeah it was about um Plenty of different moments and plenty of different voices and people that eventually brought me to you know where I am today, which I consider myself an narco capitalist, but I just more so tell people socially conservative libertarian because I think that's a little bit more digestible for the average person.
0: Yeah, and you're you're younger than I am. You're what in your mid? you don't have to give exact age. Mid twenties,
1: somewhere around there, right? I'll be twenty eight in November.
0: Yeah. I would call that mid twenties. You, know, you you got to hang on to the term mid twenties as long as you can. When you, when you turn 29, then, then you're late twenties. Um, but I mean, the, the reason I bring that up though, is I think it's, it's important to highlight. Cause like, would you just explain there the way that you you know found these ideas is basically just through going out and looking, listening to podcasts, watching videos, things like that. Whereas like when I, you know, had my Ron Paul moment during that, uh, I was actually introduced to the to the ideas by Mark, but it wasn't until I really heard um, Ron Paul articulate them and really, you know, you know, slap me in the face when he had his Rudy Giuliani moment and they had their exchange back and forth. Um, I think a lot of people back then were exposed to it really from you know moments like that, and it was it was hard. It was really hard to spread the message of liberty, which makes it even more amazing um, what Ron Paul was able to do. And fast forward to today. And you can really just be like, oh, I was looking for some podcasts, looking for someone to listen to, someone recommended this. I started listening, and it changed my whole perspective on life. So it's it's powerful, like, how decentralized the media has become that anyone can be exposed to any ideas, which is good. It's also dangerous because you have people <laughs> on the left who are communists and, and all this crazy shit. Mm-hmm. But, uh it's, uh, it's a different landscape for sure. That's that's my point of that of that rant.
1: Yeah, dude, absolutely. And there is great utility to it. And this also applies to the realm of nutrition as well. And I'm sure we'll get there, but which is just incredible. Um, the information is so readily available to everybody. And really, even before I was really a hardcore libertarian, um, I remember listening to Milo Yiannopoulos, but you know, as ridiculous as that is, um, that kind of eventually... He has that gateway over towards libertarianism when you kind of see some of the other people who are kind of like on the periphery of some of the right leaning people?
0: Mm-hmm. I, I totally forgot Milo even existed, and he's, he's <laughs> he, he was huge back you know mm-hmm. pre Trump you know in in the run up to Trump in the uh, the alt the alt right you know moment which they had a pretty big moment for a while they they overtook mm-hmm. libertarians in that moment they, they had the the spotlight and. You know, they had the most popular podcasts and influencers, and someone like Milo, he, he was canceled. He was canceled, like back yeah. when Alex Jones was canceled, and he's been totally silenced, basically by that. I wonder if Elon will bring back Milo. Will him <laughs> back on Twitter?
1: Yeah, you know, I got to say he was really funny, and I do think that he probably did the same thing for me that he did for a lot of other people, where he exposed people to the kind of right-leaning economically ideas. And it was packaged in a really, really funny way, and this is something that most right-wingers kind of lost, but Trump kind of showed a renaissance in this regards, of um, kind of like the cultural right. Because mm-hmm. for the longest time, there was no seat at the table for the right back in, you know, 9 20 years ago, they had a major seat at the table. But then, you know, now we got all the woke stuff in the left overtaking the culture through schools and various other means and even into, like, fitness, too, to relate to that Um now when trump came around there was definitely more of a culture on the right you saw a lot of people enjoying going to trump rallies and i think ron paul resembled something very very similar and this is what was so scary to the establishment was that there was a culture behind it because most things need that kind of cultural you know, force behind mm-hmm. it for it to continue to grow and for it to be you know and actually something to be reckoned with
0: yeah politics is downstream from culture i absolutely right. believe that and <laughs> there's a saying that i forget who said it originally but um it it was true for a while it might be shifting now but the saying was the the left won the culture war and now they're just driving around shooting survivors and that, <laughs> that's honestly what what it felt like you know if you go like the, the past few years it was like yeah we've we've lost and we're just we're just sitting ducks out here just just waiting to be uh you know picked off but i i feel like that the tide is is starting to turn a little bit with the culture war when you have you know some influential people like you know, Ron DeSantis in the position that that he's in and, and is able to like him or, or don't like the way he does things he's able to definitely shift the way we look at these cultural issues and just and just elevate them um, into the national conversation with the you know the totally inaccurately named don't say gay bill um, which really is just saying you know don't teach sex ed to you know kids third grade and younger. Um, and just put that in, into the conversation and totally expose all these leftists left, leftists who are like,
1: what, we have to teach sex ed to, you know, kindergartners. So. Yeah, one of the uh, other funny things that DeSantis did recently, and I don't agree with a lot of the stuff. But it, there's kind of like a rhyme and a reason to it. So when he did this National Communism Day, where it was a day to remember the victims of communism, um, you have Vice coming out essentially defending communism. And there's something very, very funny about watching a, a mainstream you know, kind of news organization defend 100 million people dead, essentially, from this specific ideology. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like putting the ball in their court. Or you know, giving them enough rope and letting them hang themselves, and this is what Ron DeSantis has been very, very effective at. And mm-hmm. I, I don't like a lot of stuff that he does, but you can't say he's not effective because he's very effective in what he does. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. Um. So so let's let's shift. I want to talk about before we get into you know actually the the ins and outs of uh, you know what people should be doing, lifting weights, what diet should they be on, asking questions All like right. that. How did you get interested? in health and exercise in the first place? I mean, is this something that you've had with you since you know high school or younger, or is this a, a more recent
1: um, change for you? So I this is quite a long thread for me personally, but uh, I guess I'll start kind of from the beginning for me. So I was always kind of a bigger kid when I was younger, and my mom and dad had split up when I was younger, and I'll get to how this kind of related. Um, so I remember starting to work out in like seventh grade, because I had seen what happens from people who take very, very poor care of their health. Um, I lost all my grandparents before I was 17 years old. Um, My grandmother died of breast cancer. My mother had breast cancer three times Mm -hmm. and she's still alive. Thank God. My dad is in his fifties. And I mean, he has tons of issues when he puts his hands over his head that he can't feel the you know, his hands go numb almost instantly. And uh, just a lot of people in my family suffered from a lot of health issues. And that was kind of a wake up call to me like, Hey, I, I don't want to be like that. I want to grow up and I want to you know, live a healthy life. So whatever I could do to not be like that, and that's not to say they're bad people, there's nothing inherently wrong with them, but they made bad decisions when it comes to diet and lifestyle that ultimately led them to having worse health outcomes currently. And like I said, thank God they're still alive, but you know, what if they would have taken care of themselves a little bit earlier? So I started working out when I was in like seventh grade and I remember just bench pressing and curling as much weight as I possibly could. And then I stopped for a couple years And then I was about 230 pounds and I'm about six feet tall, um, being about 230 pounds back in, I want to say ninth or 10th grade. And I failed a year, so (laughs) I would have been about 16 or 17 years old. And I said, okay, I'm going to start losing some weight. So I managed to lose about 40 pounds and then kind of put it back on and then kind of continued on. I was still working out a little bit, but not as much as I had been. Um at the time I lost 40 pounds and you know kind of kept yo-yo dieting. So in college mm-hmm. I got all the way up to 250 pounds and then at a weight loss challenge at um my last job when I worked there, I lost, you know, 20 pounds and then gained it back again. And then finally I decided um I, I heard about this wacky carnivore diet about three or four years ago. And I thought, okay, well, that sounds pretty cool, and it seems like people have a lot of success with it, so maybe I'll just try it for like a weekend or something like that and see what happens.
0: It was pretty early, too. You say three or four
1: years ago? I mean, I, I guess it was starting to gain steam then, yeah. Right. So um, I saw the you know, clip of Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan talk about his mm-hmm. success with the carnivore diet, so... Um, About six months later, I decided, okay, I'm just going to go one weekend. I'm going to eat nothing but meat and see what happens. And I remember feeling really, really good, not bloated. And I used to get this just churning pain in my gut. And I never knew what it was. I I could never figure it out. And to kind of add insult to injury there, I had throughout my childhood suicidal thoughts. I I would never quantify it and say necessarily depression because I was never formally diagnosed. But perhaps, I don't know um aches and pains when i was about 23 years old and i am an auto mechanic by trade so uh you know mm-hmm. it kind of comes with the territory so i started the carnivore diet for just that weekend and like i said i remember feeling really really good so i was like all right well i'm gonna go back to my regular diet so i was eating lots of like protein bars processed food still going out to eat eating arby's wendy's whatever was put in front of my face i'd eat essentially and uh I remember getting really, really bloated and just feeling awful after eating this huge salad with, um, Italian dressing, you know, just your standard Italian dressing poured all over it. And I'm like, okay, Mm. I, I need to make a change. Something has to change.
0: So, um, it was a salad that pushed you over the edge, (laughs) but it's funny, but I know exactly what you mean. A lot of people don't think of this with like dressings, but you look at the ingredients on dressings, like the worst shit for you.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just like straight canola oil with a little bit of flavoring and spices. So, uh, I decided to do the carnivore diet and at first I had very, very low energy And I felt like crap, but then my brother kind of threw it to me and he said, Hey, why don't you try intermittent fasting? Like, okay, well, what the hell is that? So he said, well, just like skip breakfast. And I did. And I started drinking electrolytes as well. And those two things really kind of solidified it for me. So it was all nice and good. And I lost, uh, um, at the most about 70 pounds. I went from 250 pounds all the way down to one eighty, And, uh, all of the you know digestive issues the suicidal thoughts stuff like that the aches and pains gone I, it was mind boggling to me that um diet and nutrition could play such a role in my mental health but um the, the problem started arising where i'd be good for a week or two and then i would just binge right my fiance sarah her and i would go out to eat and i would just you know if there was cheesecake or any kind of dessert in front of me i would just <laughs> all in you know so I did that for about two years, and when I would go on vacation, I would gain a whole ton of weight just because I would just gorge. Mm-hmm. And I'd come back, and I would do like a three to five day fast and lose all the weight, and then you know eventually trickle it back up because I would cheat on the weekends. So, so,
0: so at this time, just to, just to, you were doing IF intermittent fasting and carnivore, or or just IF both, both okay,
1: yeah. So, um. <clears throat> I had, uh, figured out probably about a year ago, like, all right, well, maybe I could start reintroducing carbohydrates and we'll see how this goes. So I started using carbon diet coach app because I was already tracking all my food. So I figured, okay, well, let's start kind of maybe getting a better handle on things. So I remember going out to eat and having like a sweet potato and thinking, okay, I don't have to gorge. I don't have to, you know, binge every carbohydrate in sight. I can have this and this will be good. So, um, kind of a long-winded way to say that carnivore yes it helped me a lot and it definitely cemented the behaviors I needed to get me to lose weight and keep it off but um, you know kind of learning those behaviors is what kind of got me to health and realizing that um, this is so important and really the fact that I just don't have suicidal thoughts anymore and no more aches and pains digestive issues really is what Made me feel so passionate about health that I'm like, okay, well, other people need to know how good you can feel because I had no idea that I could feel as good as I do now. I had no idea that I mm-hmm. could wake up in the morning and feel, you know, have energy. I didn't know I could eat a meal and not feel bloated. I didn't know I could eat a meal and feel satiated and not have to worry about going to the bathroom a little bit later. I, I didn't know. So once I figured out that, you know, this is what eating right in exercising does for you i have to give other people these tools so that way they can do the same thing for themselves Now, obviously i can't make other people pick up weights or stop eating junk food but i mm-hmm. can't give them this information and arm them with the knowledge to become better and that's kind of what i'm seeking to do through the podcast
0: yeah so, so your, your experienced personal changes led you to want to share with other people on the podcast which is awesome i mean that's mm-hmm. what really podcasting is for that, that that's cool so my concern, and I guess I'll, I'll take a step back, like sure. the, the way I look at dieting or, and I hate, I kind of hate the word dieting because yeah. it, it has a connotation like it's, you know, some sort of crash diet or something you do for a couple of weeks. Um, you can call it like, like lifestyle, the, the way you eat. Right. Um, it, even that, I'm not super, super fond of saying that way, but I think people get the point. So um I I, like the way I look at it. I think people people are different. Bodies are different. The way we process our food is different. And I think that even changes, like depending where you are in your life, even depending on on the season that you're in. Maybe the foods, you know, how how different foods interact with your body. Um, So the the way I look at carnivore, and I think with with an elimination diet like carnivore, and even you know vegans, I think have similar things. Where at the beginning of it, you have just tremendous results um, for for a lot of different reasons. Um, one of them being um, you're, you're cutting off the feeding of that bad bacteria in your gut. I mean, you're talking about how how you had you know some digestive issues and things like that. It wouldn't surprise me is what happened when you went to carnivore. You went and you went to IF that that bad bacteria just really died off because you weren't feeding it with sugar and yeast and, and all these different things, which is good, but. I think what ends up happening and This I, some people I think have, have a body where they can just eat meat and for whatever reason they could just eat meat the rest of their lives. Some people are just different, but I do think that most people need some fiber um, because I mean fiber is, is what feeds our, our good bacteria in our gut. It's and it's how it thrives and it's, it's how you know it takes over and uh, keeps that bad bacteria out. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And, on just in general, like people sticking to, to one way of eating or, or, or trying different things.
1: Well, so when I was a carnivore, I, I, I hate saying that because it sounds so silly. But when I was on the carnivore <laughs> diet, um, I was very dogmatic. And I tell people this all the time. I, I was like a kid with dynamite because I figured out something that worked for me, right? This worked very, very well for me. I felt great. And I lost all this weight. I cured all these issues. So everybody else should do this too, right? This worked for me. So I guarantee it's going to work for everybody else. And there's also evidence to support that um, animal proteins are the most bioavailable for our bodies. When you look at the, the digestible, indispensable amino acid scores charts, um, eggs ten, eggs and whey kind of rate right at the top of the chart. So they're the most bioavailable proteins to us. Um, and then animal foods are up there as well. And then plant proteins are normally down at the bottom. So when you look at it that way, it's very convincing to be carnivore, right? But the problem is, is that how are you going to get someone like me, who's very, very active, who lifts a lot and has a very active job or on my feet all day? How are you going to eat 3000 calories of just fat and protein every single day without having to go to the bathroom a lot because you're ingesting so much liquid fat, because I mean, that is a lot of freaking calories. And only that, like you said, with fiber, um, there's evidence and different studies done that show per, I think I'm going to butcher this, but I think it's per 10% fiber increase in your diet. There's actually a correlation with overall longevity, right? Uh, An overall Mm -hmm. reduction in in, um, all cause mortality. So I don't think that's necessarily linear and um you know kind of applicable to everybody but I definitely think that you shouldn't exclude fiber from your diet unless you absolutely have to and there are some people that have to and a lot of like the flexible dieting and pro carbohydrate kind of guys I think kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to carnivore and don't give the devil its due so to speak but that's not to say you should never have fiber again. Like, okay, if you have gut issues, let's do an elimination diet, figure out kind of what's going on and introduce carbohydrates, maybe fruits or sweet potatoes Mm -hmm. or more easily digestible carbohydrates back into your diet. So that way you can expand and enjoy more foods. And there's more to life than just eating meat and being in the best shape of your life, right? Sometimes you're going to want to enjoy food. Sometimes you're going to want to go to the beach and have a margarita, right? Sometimes you're going to have ice cream with your kid or something like that. So, there's so many different aspects to food and we're supposed to enjoy it with people, right? We're, we're, we're meant to be around other people. We're meant to enjoy life with other people. So part of that is going out to restaurants and enjoying food with other people. So when you just eat meat, it, it's cool. You lose weight, but like, you know, there's more to life than just being jacked and tan and, you know, just your diet. There's, you got to adjust for the highest quality of life. And, I think that when you cut out fibers, you typically compromise that area of quality of life because fruits and different sweets even at times can be very enjoyable as long as you're not over-consuming them.
0: Yeah. You, you don't want to be the guy that shows up at a party and then leaves because there's not enough meat. I mean, nobody <laughs> wants that guy at the party, not enough meat guy. But yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean I th- you need to have balance and you know, people find consistency in, in different ways – either through meal prep, you know, so you have your, your, you know, your meals the same throughout the day. I like doing like a lot of the time I'll do a protein shake for lunch. Just, I don't have to think about it. It's just what I'm having for breakfast. I'll just have eggs and like this time of year, I just have eggs and, and, uh, avocado for breakfast every morning. That's it. I don't think about it. Do you do anything like that with your, with your meal prep or with your meals?
1: Oh my God, dude. I am like religious with meal prep. So um, typically my week of eating is almost laid out um every single sunday so uh, I, I don't know if anybody have, has ever seen on twitter typically i'll put up my meal prep and yeah, i have I've two pounds of, yeah two pounds of ground beef and i mix it up you know put a little bit of seasoning on it and then throughout the week i'll enjoy that for lunch and i've been doing that literally for three or four years and i i, I never like don't like it i never pick up the ground beef <laughs> container at lunch and think oh well, i'm not excited to eat this which okay you know maybe I'm not saying everybody has to do this, but it's so easy. It tastes good. It reheats good. Put a little bit of G Hughes barbecue sauce on it or some kind of sugar-free barbecue sauce. Cause they're so low calorie and they're very, very good. And it's very high volume. So it, it's pretty satiating and you kind of get a lot of bang for your buck, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I I absolutely love it. And then usually um, for like a morning snack or something like that, my goals right now are to put on lean mass and maintain as much lean mass as possible. So I try to trigger muscle protein synthesis at least four times a day. Um, there's not a lot of evidence after three that you get a lot of benefit. Like there's a little bit, more. what
0: what does that actually, what does that mean? If you could explain that to sure. So
1: muscle protein synthesis is the process where your body basically assimilates protein into the muscles, helps create new muscle fibers. So, um, after about three hours, um, at post meal, after about hitting a three gram threshold of leucine, um, your body is going to be you're going to trigger muscle protein synthesis. God, that's so hard to say. <laughs> but, um, I'm
0: just trying to get you to say that as many times as possible. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, MPS. Um, after you eat about 20 grams of protein um, of a good quality, that's going to have your three grams of leucine, which is the specific amino acid that triggers MPS and is going to help assimilate, you know, the proteins to your muscles and, um, you know, help build muscles. So, about every three hours and not everybody has to do this. If you eat three meals a day, you're fine. Um, I'm just trying to eke out as much as possible. So, you know, typically I'm about, you know, one meal at five thirty, 30, um, you know, a little bit of protein around eight, eight thirty, and then lunch around noon, something around three and then one more meal around six. That's typically about my day. But once again, my goals are right now to eke out as much muscle growth as possible and maintain as much lean mass as possible while I'm in a, cut right now. So I'm trying to lose mm-hmm. a little bit more weight, but, um, yeah, so my diet mostly centers around protein, but I'm still low carbohydrate by volume of calories. So um, about 60% of my calories come from fat, which equals up to about 112 grams of fat per day, and then about 170 grams of carbohydrate, and then about 190 grams of protein throughout the day. And that keeps me satiated. I don't feel like I'm restricting. In fact, this past um, weekend, uh, Sarah and I went to the Cheesecake Factory, and I literally had a piece of low cheesecake and enjoyed it. And I still lost weight into the next day. But yeah. this is because I, I budget i mean i was hungry a little bit in the morning i had you know a small lunch with greek yogurt protein powder and then didn't eat anything until we went to dinner and once again i enjoyed that dinner but that's because i was disciplined throughout the day and i didn't you know gorge when i got there but to kind of tie back to carnivore that was the problem with me being on carnivores that i just wasn't eating enough throughout the week that by the time the weekend came it was you know you know all let the boats loose. Let's go. Let's have some food Mm -hmm. because my body was so starved. And I don't think people realize just how smart our bodies are. We're going to find those calories some way, somehow, if you are on an absolute starvation diet. So when it comes to losing weight, you got to be careful with how you do it. You don't want to restrict too much because that can actually have negative consequences when it comes to your metabolism. But you know, obviously you still need to move the marker enough to, you know, get the extra Mm -hmm. fat out of your body.
0: So, just a couple more questions on, on dieting. I just want to get your your opinions on a couple different different diets. Um, mm-hmm. So, so veganism. Um, I mean, you know, there's people that, that seem to be pretty healthy being vegans. There's people who you look at them, and you're like, wow, you do not look healthy at all. So, what's, what's your opinion on on someone eating a, a vegan diet? Is it something that people can really? You think people can manage and actually put on muscle and, and live a healthy
1: life? Um. <laughs> One of my favorite people in the fitness world is a guy named Stan Efferding. Um, He's the world's strongest bodybuilder, and he is just a wealth of knowledge, but he always says compliance to the science. So, um, really, all diets work when strictly adhered to. But um, my problem with the vegan diet is that it's lacking in, you know, basically meat, right? (laughs) Because everything that we get, you know, a lot of the proteins and iron, B12, um, riboflavin, um, even creatine is all found in meat. So when you take that out of a vegan or when you take that out of your diet, then you're missing all those things. So they need to be supplemented. And you want to get, obviously, all your nutrients from whole foods as much as possible. Now, obviously, we live up here in Pennsylvania. So we, you know, I personally supplement with vitamin D as much as possible. And then when you also exclude fish, then you miss out on those um, fatty acids that you can only get from mm-hmm. fish. Um, the other downside of a vegan diet, and this is kind of an upside, too, depending on how you're looking at it. Um, In order to get the same amount of protein in a three-ounce chicken breast, which is about the size of my palm, right – Um, you would have to eat five cups of quinoa to get the same amount of protein in a three-ounce chicken breast. So imagine how your gut would feel after eating five cups of quinoa versus eating one three-ounce chicken breast. So in order Mm. to just get the same amount of protein on a vegan diet, you have to eat so much more food, which may be good if you're looking to be satiated because the food's so low-calorie dense but it's so voluminous. Um, That may be good, but once again, you're going to have so many digestive issues because – sit down and eat a whole bunch of edamame beans and then get back to me. Let me know how you feel the next day. Believe me, I've done it before. It's rough. So that being said, um, you're just missing out on, you know, some of the most bioavailable foods. And I understand the ethical arguments, but when you actually look into this, um, Rob Wolf has done a lot of great work on this. He was on Joe Rogan recently, and I have mm-hmm. him on, I've had him on my podcast now two times. Um, he wrote the book Sacred Cow with Diana Rogers, and they kind of went into some of the science surrounding the environmental arguments surrounding meat. Um, if you actually want to be pro, um, you know, pro the environment, then you should be eating grass-fed, grass-finished meat because that actually helps sequester carbon back into the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to make a lot of these plant-based foods, they actually have to till the fields and destroy the soil and also kill you know hundreds of thousands of small animals to maintain these fields because what do these small animals do? They go and they tear up the crops. So when you're eating your plant-based burger – um, what they actually found is that a plant-based burger is just as bad for the environment as a grass-fed, grass-finished burger is good for the environment. So once again, if you want to be pro the environment, you should be eating grass-fed, grass-finished meat. You should advocate for regenerative agriculture. Um, I actually have an article pulled up here um, before we were uh, shooting the shit here. Um, the GMO Impossible Burger is positive for carcinogenic glyphosate. Um, the GMO Impossible Burger tests a 11 times higher. So um, some of these uh, plant-based foods are really not quite the health solutions that they're being purported as. So yeah, basically you could sum up my criticisms of the vegan diet is that you're not going to get the same amino acid profiles in the proteins. So you could supplement with like a branch chain amino acids to help get those. And you're just going to have to eat so much more food versus where you could eat meat and you know, not have to worry about that. You're going to have to supplement creatine. And there were actually studies done where they supplemented vegans with creatine and they found their mental and cognitive performance was actually a lot better when supplementing with creatine. So it, the vegan diet is just lacking. And mm-hmm. to some degree, carnivore kind of is too. But um, personally, my bias is carnivore, but, you know, that's kind of my thoughts surrounding a vegan diet.
0: Hey, taking a quick break here to tell you about a podcast you should check out from our friend, Justin Campbell. It's called the Fact Check This podcast. If you're fed up with fact checkers flagging everything as misinformation without actually backing it up, then you should definitely join Justin every Monday and Wednesday to fact check the fact checkers and to get the truth About what's going on in the world. Check it out everywhere podcasts are found. Fact check this. Uh, That's that's great, and that's pretty closely aligns with with uh, with my thoughts on it as well. I I think I heard that same that same podcast, that Rogan podcast, um, or maybe maybe it's a different one where uh, they were talking about. Um, really what's in these impossible burgers impossible meats and like you were talking about you know in in order to produce that amount of protein from potatoes or peas or whatever that goes into it just all the animals that are killed there's also all of this waste they got to destroy basically or to squeeze out this little bit of protein out of the potatoes then you have Mm -hmm. all this all this waste vegetable waste What, what the heck do you do with it um I don't know. It's and it's all mixed with with soy and and other junk and mm-hmm. canola oil, like you said before. It's it's just not healthy. Like it's so upside down that this is being marketed as like the healthy option. And it's so disgusting to me that you have these initiatives to have uh, vegan day in schools and kids kids eat vegan with these terrible impossible burgers. Right. It's just uh, it's it's disgusting.
1: It's horrible. I've got to put yeah, a stop to it. I consider that downright child abuse because. Um, There is a hypothesis put forward that I'm personally a fan of and I think makes sense. Um, If you go back through our evolutionary history and you look at um, apes, right? If you look at Mm -hmm. gorillas and mostly animals like that, they have very big distended guts. Well, that's because they need those big distended guts for all the, you know, basically, um, intestines and other stuff in there. So when they eat plant matter, it can ferment and then get the fats and proteins from it. Right. So gorillas actually spend a significant amount of their day just chewing because the amylase genes in their mouth help ferment the grass. So that way, once again, they can get proteins and fats from it. Um, if you look back in our, you know, before we were homo sapiens, eventually we learned to cook, right. Which made foods a little bit more bioavailable. We also learned to stand upright. And around this time, we also learned how to build tools. So we actually learned how to essentially throw things, stand upright and cook. And that all kind of suggests that we no longer needed all this gut to process all these foods because we were killing large animals to mm-hmm. get you know fats and proteins. And we were cooking them and they were more bioavailable. bioavailable. So we actually got rid of gut for brain. So that's why you know, I'm such an advocate for eating meat is because I do believe that essentially eating meat all those years ago for as long as we did is essentially what made us human. We no Mm -hmm. longer need to eat so much plant matter that we were able to stand once again upright and be, you know, the creatures that we are today versus having to, you know, have less brain (laughs) and more gut and have to spend so much more time chewing and, you know, essentially not being free to do other things.
0: I did want to come back to one thing you said, uh, sort of re- not not really related to veganism, but just talking about supplementing with creatine. And I, I hadn't heard anybody advocate supplementing with creatine until a podcast I recently heard uh, Lewis Lewis House had on a guy named Andy Galpin. And I know, Andy Galpin is, yeah. is like a performance coach. Honestly, one of the most informative podcasts that I've listened to, but what really surprised me when uh, Lewis asked him, like, what is one supplement you would recommend everyone take? He said creatine. And he's just going in like, basically, there's been studies done, there's no negative side effects. And um, it was just really surprising to me. I haven't heard anyone mention or recommend supplement supplementing with creatine since I was in high school, you know, playing football, you know, tr- trying to bulk up with creatine. So yeah. do you, do you have, is that something that uh, uh, do you take creatine? Do you recommend taking creatine? I mean, do you hear anyone advocating
1: for that? Yes. Yes. So creatine is actually one of the most researched supplements out there. And there are very, very little to no side effects to it. It's very, very safe. And, um, yeah, I completely recommend taking creatine. And on top of that, I also recommend taking beta alanine. Um, beta alanine actually helps you buffer lactic acid. So to kind of break this down and to explain it more in layman's terms, mm-hmm. when you're exercising, right? So let's say you're doing a whole bunch of push-ups. And you can only do 12, right? Well, eventually what happens is lactic acid builds up in your chest, and that's mm-hmm. going to eventually stop you from doing more reps. Um, when you take beta alanine, that actually helps you buffer that. So when you start getting past that minute of time under tension, you can actually go longer and beta alanine, same deal has been very, very well researched and it's very safe. It's not, doesn't have any crazy side effects. The only thing that I'll tell people, um, if you take beta alanine, I've only been taking it for probably like seven or eight months now. Um, the first time you take it, it will mess with you a little bit and you're going to get a little bit of a tingly feeling. Um, I can't remember exactly why that is, but uh, it, it gives you this little tingly feeling, but eventually it goes away after you take it for long enough. But um, yeah, I highly recommend taking creatine and beta alanine. Those are the two like safest and just you know very low cost supplements that you can add to your diet. Like a pre workout, like let's say you want to do like a pump pre workout, um, just drink that with creatine or beta alanine, or you could mix both of those with um, like a. Post workout protein shake, or just mix it with your water, or something like that. Uh, yeah, I definitely recommend doing this because it's going to help um, build lean mass. Because once again, if you could spend more time under tension, um, then you're going to build more lean mass because you're doing more work and you're applying more load to the muscle.
0: Right, makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I think I actually will start supplementing with creatine again, which is crazy. <laughs> I, I never thought, never thought I would say that, but I have to look into uh, beta alanine as well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, talking about exercising and, uh, lifting weights, what types of, uh, you know, strategy do you bring into the gym? Are you doing heavy loads, low reps, or, or do you, do you rotate between low reps and, and high reps?
1: What's your, uh, what's your attitude towards that? So as I mentioned earlier, my goal right now is to put on as much lean mass as possible and maintain as much lean mass as possible as I'm in a slight caloric deficit right now. Um, so when you start trying to lose weight, um, obviously you want to eat as much protein as possible. About one gram per pound of body weight is going to be ideal. And I know it's kind of a little bit of sand, side tangent. But um, one of the people I really look to when it comes to uh, research on building muscle is Brad Schoenfeld. And he's like the world's top researcher in building muscle. And most of his research typically says about 10 to 20 sets per week per week per muscle is going to be ideal for building muscle. So once you get below that, like 10, you're probably going a little bit too hard. And once you get a little bit higher than 20, then it's just kind of like junk volume. It's not sufficiently um, stimulative to the muscle. So personally, what I do is every single muscle gets hit, um, well, I guess it'd probably be a little bit easier to start with <laughs> the, the way I kind of do my workouts. So like I do a push pull leg split. So every single muscle gets hit at least twice a week. So Sunday I go into the gym and I do chest, shoulders and triceps. Um, every single muscle that day will get six sets each. So um, and then later in the week, like today, since we're shooting this Wednesday, um, I did push or my push day again. So I did chest, shoulders, and triceps. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm getting about 12 sets per week and they're sufficiently hard. I'm usually anywhere in about the eight to 15 rep range, except for when it comes to maybe like some of the compound movements with those, I go a little bit lighter, but when it comes to isolation movements, I tend to go a little bit higher. Um, I was training to failure, but I'm cycling off of that just to kind of give myself a little bit more time to recover. Um, Cause training to failure can be very, very fatiguing and you still get a lot of the same stimulus and a lot of the same benefits of going to failure by stopping about one or two reps shy. So, uh, yeah, personally, like I said, about six sets per muscle per day is normally what I do. So like, like I said, today was chest, shoulders, triceps. Tomorrow is going to be, um, biceps, back, you know, lower back. So like deadlifts, a pull day. And, um, traps so um yeah typically i shoot for about six sets per muscle per day and then
0: when do you lift legs or did i miss oh, that
1: oh no no I, I do legs too i guess i should have uh elaborated <laughs> on that too but yeah tuesdays <laughs> and fridays are my leg days so um like a leg day would I've, typically- I've seen
0: i've seen you posting your, your deadlifts on twitter so i know <laughs> that you're you're lifting legs
1: yeah yeah well i actually <laughs> do those my pull days because uh that'd be a hell of a lot of load to do squats and deadlifts on the same day. Some people do it, but I mean, that is just like, that is murder for your back. And I mean, yeah, if you have good form, you'll be okay. But still, that's just a lot of freaking load to put on your spine. So uh, a leg day for me would typically look like I do squats, leg extensions for the quads, and I go a little bit lower volume on squats when it comes to barbell. But like when it comes to, let's say, goblet squats or kettlebell squats, I go a little bit higher volume and that really gets a nice burn in my body. quads i do cabs so like seated calf raises standing calf raises um i really think guys especially underestimate just how important it is to do things like hip thrusts because that trains your glutes and your glutes are one of your biggest muscles in your entire body hmm. so i do lots of hip thrusts um also kind of like cable uh, i don't know exactly what to call them, but kind of like cable exercises for the glutes as well um hamstring curls um reverse deadlift so that's kind of where you pull the uh, bar up walk back and then kind of hinge at the hips to train the hamstrings or um the uh, nordic curls i like doing those as well so um, that's kind of what i focus on when it comes to leg day but uh just for all the guys out there too don't skip leg day because that is incredibly important those are some of the biggest muscles on your entire body and when you think about this muscle tissue is very very calorically expensive so when you have these large muscles that take up a lot of oxygen that are on your body if you're not training them then you're leaving a lot of you know calories essentially on the table because you want to be able to eat as much as you can right we all like eating so mm-hmm. you should train your leg muscles as much as freaking possible to get them to grow so don't skip leg day that's very very important and to go to kind of the longevity aspect of this too when you get older what happens people fall well if you have mm-hmm. strong legs you're a lot less likely to fall you're gonna have a lot more stability and that correlates very very well with longevity so Dude, don't skip leg day.
0: <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be the, the old man laying on the ground saying, mm-hmm. help me, I, you know, I can't get up, and having to hit the uh, the button to have the, uh, you know. Yeah, hit hey, your life of, alert. <laughs> your life alert. Yeah. yeah. I, what, was that, what was that commercial? I'm falling and I can't get up. Is that is that what it was? Yeah, I think was it was, was the life alert? life alert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There
1: were always old ladies falling around in the tub, <laughs> tapping their chest with a life alert on
0: it. <laughs> yeah. But that's true. I mean, I, I think, and, and I, I mean, Kind of, kind of going with that. I do think it seems to me, at least, maybe you know, it's kind of biased in the circles that you run in. But it seems like you know, our generation. When I say our generation, I guess I mean like, are you? You'll be a millennial, right? Are you a millennial? Yeah. Or okay, millennials and even you know, even younger, uh, younger than millennials, whatever generation that is, Generation Z or whatever they are. Numbers. <clears throat> Um, zoomers, I, I, it, it seems like we take health a lot more seriously than even like generation X. Um, definitely the boomers have kind of been like more like a late in life change. Like, okay, now we're going to get healthy as they're, as they're aging. So it'll be interesting to watch, you know, as we age. And when you look at people like, you know, people who are generation X and who are getting older, like a, like a Joe Rogan. Um, or someone that I follow on Instagram, um, who's just a, a beast, uh, Cameron Haynes. I don't know if you follow him. Oh yeah. Runs, runs like 20 miles a day, lifts every day, uh, big time bow hunter. And you look at them and you, they're in their fifties and they're just, they're just jacked and look Crushed healthy it. as hell. And it's like, well, I mean, if they can do it, why can't we? I mean, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how our generation ages as we're, it seems like it seems like at least we're taking better care of ourselves
1: right well this kind of goes back to once again my origin story is that i saw my mom with breast cancer three times and part of um what makes me such a disciplined person i mean i get up 4 30 every single day essentially no matter what even if my band plays till like 11 o'clock at night still i'm usually not up you know any later than six o'clock the next day um I looked at my mom's situation as somebody who suffered through breast cancer and worked hundred hours a week and her and my dad split up and she raised my older brother and I essentially by herself uh, or by herself. Um, I'm like, okay, if she can do all this, then why the hell can't I get up? Why the hell can't I do what I need to do? Why the hell can't I take care of myself to the best of my ability if she's able to do all that while, you know, being severely ill? so i think a lot of people our generation have seen people like that people who were really sick because you know our grandparents kind of got around the 70s is where a lot of these hyper palatable foods started coming into place you know they traded out the butter for canola oil and different vegetable oils traded out
0: the fat for sugar everything was low fat loaded up on sugar yeah
1: right right and They started demonizing fat, and Mm -hmm. then everybody got fat as a consequence of that. And, you know, we just put sugar in everything. And now, you know, sugar consumption is going down, but we still see obesity going up because people are still seeking out the hyperpalatable foods that you just can't stop freaking eating. Um, But, like you said, I do think people, our generation, are starting to take their health more seriously because, especially after the last couple of years, I mean, how could you not? When you mm-hmm. see people who are older, you know, getting terribly sick with you know <laughs> it's uh it should be a wake up call to you to say, Hey man, you got one life, you better damn well do your best to be a rock star while you're here and take, you know, damn good care of yourself. I don't want to be that person who's seventy years old and can't walk. You know, I see people who are obese all the time that can't walk and there's not they're not bad people, but they made bad decisions and I want them to feel better. So every time I see someone who's a little bit heavier set starting to take the steps towards health, I I congratulate them. I constantly give them, you know, props. Um, I just had Quincy on my show recently, but uh, you know, you see him all the time. He's doing squats. He's doing push-ups, and he, people criticize him. Oh, you know, you're not going low enough. Like, look, this dude's just doing it every day. He's consistent. He's trying to make a change. Let's celebrate that. But, yeah, I think it's very, very important that we take care of ourselves so that way when we get older, we don't have to push the life alert button. I want to be 70 years old still being able to deadlift 700 or er, uh, 500 pounds. That's my record so yeah. far. I would love to you know, keep going up and wait. But man, if I could just do 400 even when I'm 70 years old, it'd be incredible. I'd be stoked. And you know
0: what I think it's important to have like a specific goal like something like that, even if it way off you know 70 60, 70 year years old, some sort of athletic goal weightlifting goal, running goal, whatever. Um, because what that's gonna do it's gonna keep you accountable. Um, you know as you, you might have you know a weekend or a vacation or whatever where you know we let things go you you might miss a week working out because you, you have a busy week or something but what's gonna pull you back on track, is, is that long term goal and you have you also have to have it you know linked to really um you know some sort of something inside you that you're doing it for, be it your your family or your, your kid or or whatever but I think that's that's super important
1: yeah, I agree completely, and that is something that people should do, hey, you need to hold yourself accountable, like hey, did you miss a workout, did you miss a meal um you know in all aspects of your life, because once again, I don't want to be that person when I'm 80 years old that just can't take care of myself i'd much rather have a long you know health span than a long lifespan you know what is your life if you can't enjoy it when you get older Mm -hmm. is it really anything at all personally like i said earlier i don't want to be that 70 year old person that can't you know function for myself just put me out of my misery if i'm like that you know i want to be able to get down on the ground and play with my future grandkids when i'm 70 years old i want them to look at me and say holy crap you know look how strong granddad is That's something that I have in my mind and I want that to be a reality. I want to be the dad that's jacked and tan into his forties and fifties. I don't want to be like these other people who are obese that I work with and then complain about their backs and their knees and needing all these surgeries and can't take care of themselves because they just made poor life decisions. That's not who I want to be. So, you know, that's why I try to spread this message as much as as possible and try to tell people like, dude, you get one chance, take care of your freaking bodies
0: Hundred percent, and if there's people out there listening to this, and they're like, "This was great," you know, I love, I love what Kyle's saying. Why well, I want to learn more. So, how can they find your podcast? I'm assuming it's on all the podcasting apps, but like, what's your format? How many shows do you do, you know, per week and or whatever? All that's all that stuff.
1: Sure. So the uh, show is like you said in liberty and health. And um, it is on all major audio platforms. It's on YouTube. It's on Odyssey. So make sure you subscribe and check me out there. I post clips on Twitter. Uh, Sometimes when I'm walking in the morning, I'll put up a little video and kind of let everybody know what I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, I usually try to do three shows a week. I'm pretty consistent at that. Um, I have on all sorts of libertarian people, but I've also done a lot of solo episodes on how to build muscle, how to lose weight, um, my thoughts surrounding the uh, C word and, um, you know, I try to dive into a lot of science and bring information to people in a little bit of a digestible way, but I also dive into some automotive stuff. I did a show on green energy and efficiency. Um, I did a show on automotive basics, but, you know, I just try to bring all the things that, you know, are kind of on my mind and give people the tools to make themselves a little bit better. So yeah, in Liberty and health, YouTube, everywhere you could find podcasts. Um, yeah, check it out. And, um, you know, if anybody ever has any questions, feel free to reach out to me.
0: Yeah, definitely check it out. And if, if you have a, a friend, you know, maybe you're a libertarian and you have a friend who you know is into, you know, health stuff and lifting weights, but you haven't been able to, to break through on uh, you know, the ideas of liberty, share Cal's show because, you know, that's gonna gonna bring them in to uh to hear him talk about those things and also be you know, have the ideas of, of liberty sprinkled in. So a great way to uh to get some outreach there. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of these people in the health world are a lot more liberty-minded than I think a lot of people really even understand. And a lot of my guests have kind of confirmed that for me. So uh, yeah, if you check out my show, I think you'd be surprised how many uh, of the uh, people who are heavy into the fitness world are on our side already.
0: It makes sense. I mean, if if you take care of yourself, I mean, you're going to have that personal responsibility already. So that's that's really what it's all about. So all right, Cal, thanks for coming on the show, man. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome, man. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. Uh, before I send you on your merry way to the, the next podcast or, or the next thing, you got to handle on your to-do list. Um, before you go, let me just encourage you, please, if you've been listening to this show for a long time or if you just started listening to it and you really appreciate the work that we put in here at Lions of Liberty, please consider supporting us. You know, I'm not one who likes to to beg for money, and I'm not begging for money. Uh, I'm just making it uh, making it known that myself and Mark and Brian, we do put a lot of work into this show. And we do have a, a lot of patrons, a lot of supporters already, some who've supported us since the very beginning, which is remarkable, amazing, and we are so thankful for that. But for us to really take this show And what we are trying to do here at Lions of Liberty to the next level, um, we need more people that are supporting us, that are backing us, that have our back um, both uh, figuratively and also financially. So please consider, if you haven't already and you like what we're doing, joining and supporting us on Patreon or on Locals. Uh, You can join on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash liberty or on Locals by going to lionsofliberty.locals.com. You're going to get access to early content, early releases. Um, many of our interviews you can watch live um, as they occur, either through a unlisted YouTube link, or just in our Facebook pride, if you're a Facebook person. So please do uh, consider joining for either as little as $5 a month, or you can go all the way up to some higher levels where you actually get influence over the show. You get private calls with us and things like that. But every level also does get a discount in our Lions of Liberty store, which you can find and you can, you can look at all the, the great t-shirts and, and things we have there at lionsliberty.store. So thank you so much for all the support over the years, and we look forward to seeing you in the Pride. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up, and the fire is liberty burning.